Welcome to the ugly truth. Step one, train the people only to consume. Step two, infiltrate adults with the news. Step three, indoctrinate the children through the schools and the music and the apps on the phones that they use. Step four, separate the right from the left. Step five, separate the white from the black. Step six, separate the rich from the poor. Use religion and equality to separate them more. Step seven, fabricate a problem made a lie. Step eight, put it on the news every night. Step nine, when people start to fight and divide, take control. This is called situational design they can't stop us cause we're ready to fight trying to brainwash us but we won't let freedom die the whole world's brainwashed everybody pick a team start a riot in the streets the whole world's brainwashed it's us against them and ain't you against me we're with you tom we will not back down this is the ugly truth Hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore. Well, you know, for the past few weeks, my darling, we have had quite a few segments on about this beautiful state of Hawaii. Yes, we have. Except it hasn't been so beautiful. Unfortunately. And we are so blessed and lucky that our friend and very good friend that was just there the days before the fires... Now, she wasn't on this island, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just glad she got back, but I'm just so devastated for the people that are there who got trapped, especially on Front Street. This this is just absolutely the ugly truth. Those people were burned alive, mm-hmm. and nobody's talking about it. Yep. Hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore. Hawaii, statehood to slaughter. Oh, man. So you wrote a really good long article here on the whole history of Hawaii. I mean... If folks, this lady's a teacher and a writer. If you want to go through this article, let's look at this. Let's start looking through some of this, some of these major points, if you'll take us through it, some of the podcasts we've done that you've put together, and then kind of figure out where we're going with this ugly truth in the end here. Go ahead and take us through. The recent Maui fires opened our eyes to the fact that this was not natural and not an accident. Nope. And we talked about scorched earth, Maui under attack. Right, that was back on August 8th, the very first day that it happened. Yeah, the Tuesday, that uh, was the, the Friday after August 8th. Yeah, the very first week, so we reported on it that first week, right mm-hmm. away. Scorched Earth, Maori under attack. So we called it an attack the very first week. And we, know, we recognized the We've burning, this, it yeah. looked like Paradise, remember? Yes, Paradise Valley, and it looked like the, the other DEW... Uh, damage that we've seen. And the next week we had two episodes. One was about a book that was out before the embers had even cooled. Mm-hmm. Predicting we... when it was going to finish, predicting when it was going to be. So the book was published, actually sent to Amazon before uh, <laughs> the fire started. Yeah, yeah. And now there's a second one. Yes. It's out there. <clears throat> and that was in Prophetic AI Publishers. That was a Truman's Matrix. And then the fact that Lahaina was protected because of its historical significance revealed the reason the global elites and developers just needed it to burn. Oh, was Maui Land Grab the one where we found the actual um, provision or what do you call it, law that the governor signed that completely overrode all historical mm-hmm. protections oh, and land zonings? That's in that episode. Mm-hmm. If you want to see the document, that shows you that just 
and people have been talking about this supposed meeting that they've had to turn this into a 15-minute city. And you've seen that. And this one also has the document in there where the governor says that he is suspending all building regulations and that they can do whatever they want at his discretion. Mm-hmm. And so now we've recognized this thing really deeply into our second week of this. And then it brought us to the sad conclusion that this was an attack on American soil. On American citizens. I mean, I love soil and soil is important, but they've been attacking <laughs> our soil in the agricultural <laughs> ring for a lot of years. But these were murdered people. Yes. And pets and children. Although... We had not, a theory on that. Yes, and we kind of touched on it on the domestic terrorist attack. Yes, we did. We we have a feeling they did not let those children perish. Yeah. And matter of fact, do we have the school bus video? It's, it's, That's uh, in my collection of mm -hmm. videos. Mm -hmm. You want to know what happened to the kids that day? Ask the 17 missing school buses that afternoon. Yeah, it's pretty strange, isn't it? Mm -hmm. On a non-school day, what were they doing out of the schoolyard? Exactly. Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. We're ripping <laughs> off 17 buses and running around town. So why Maui? How did we get here? We're going to look, take a brief look at the history of the 50th Yeah, state. this is what got me started. I just want to tell you why I, you know, tell everyone why I put you up to this article. Everything started to fit when we started looking at the highlights here. Now, she did a comprehensive look here, but you just think about the highlights through here and what brought this on was her own question. When I said we were talking about corruption in the United States, all the different things and things we've pulled over and, and America has not known the truth of, and, and the election of 1960 with JFK and Nixon was one of those things that we were always questioning because we know that it was actually this fine state's electoral vote which was mm -hmm. flipped in order to flip that election so that the newspapers would change from Nixon to JFK. Yes. Yes? It's at the end of this. They're going to see it? <laughs> Did you find it? That was why and then you said to me when we were talking about the election then you turned mm -hmm. around and said to me I was trying to give you credit there. Uh-huh. You said how did we acquire Hawaii? Yeah. And I went, oh, how did they become a state, you mean? And that's when you really dug into this. Right. So. All right. I'm going to go check this sound in the other room. I'll be right back. <laughs> Give us a history. In 1848 was the first time um, private citizens were able to own land in uh, Hawaii. And that's when it started. So 1848. So that was quite a while ago. There was the American Reciprocity Act, which uh, granted the U.S. the use of Pearl Harbor. So that's how we got onto the land. Um, the Hawaiian League forced the king to sign the Bayon Bayonet Con Constitution, reducing him to a figurehead. So by 1887, they no longer had an actual king. It was more like he, he was just the symbol, like the Queen of England or the King of England. January 17, 1893, was the overthrow of the Hawaiian Kingdom. The Committee of Safety formed to overthrow the Queen with the assistance of the U.S. Marines and the Committee of Safety. They forced her to abdicate the throne and the provisional government requested annexation to the U.S. 
The U.S. Minister John L. Stevens, the Committee of Safety of American and European Sugar Planters, missionary descendants and financiers who deposed the Hawaiian monarchy and proclaimed a provisional government. So it was all the white guys, okay? All the white guys took over this um, area and decided they needed to get rid of the natives. President Harrison officially recognized Hawaii's new government as legitimate, but later President Cleveland attempted to restore Queen Ludicolani to her throne. That was all within that same year of 1893. In 1894, the provisional government declared itself the Republic of Hawaii with Sanford Dole as its president. Recognize that name? Their plan was to bide their time until a more sympathetic U.S. administration was in place and apply for annexation again. Because Cleveland wasn't going to have it. In 97, 1897, annexation treaty was introduced to Congress and Lilikulani sent a written protest to the annexation treaty. In 1898, after several years of political turmoil, Hawaii was officially annexed to the United States. That's annexed, not becoming a state yet. The Newlands Joint Resolution annexed Hawaii and created the territory of Hawaii in its place. There was no treaty of annexation. In other words, the Hawaiian government, the queen, never had a say in it. And then we are moving way forward from 1898 to 1941. The Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor uh, on December 7th and killed 3,000 people, and General Short ordered Hawaii's Governor Poindexter to declare martial law. Interesting point here is that they thought that the martial law would be short-lived because, you know, just wait and see if we get any other attacks. There were no further attacks, but martial law was there until the end of the war. In 1945, the UN nation's decolonization with the sacred trust obligation and political process national identity of the Hawaiian people was stolen by multicultural society. In 1947, Hawaii, Hawaii was already annexed as a territory and statehood had been proposed several times. The Hawaii Statehood Commission was founded and pushed the issue in Washington. Many of those involved were union leaders, leaders and labor activists who had broad support from the working class. Again, these were people who had moved to Hawaii in the late 1800s and were trying to annex that and make it a state. In 1952, immigration and naturalization went into effect and 35,000 alien residents became eligible to seek U.S. citizenship. Aliens in 1952. In other words, the immigrants, the Illegal aliens, I don't know, possibly. Um, they were granted citizenship and voting rights. When the immigration and naturalization law went into effect in 52, they were able to also vote. Hmm. Vote. 1959, the 50th State Admissions Act. 59, they finally were able to get Hawaii to become the 50th state. 
An overwhelming number of Hawaiians voted in favor of it, and only the small island of Niahu, populated only by natives, voted against it. And uh, all the other ones were actually populated, overpopulated by whites. But I actually heard that it was not overwhelming. Well, this was, yeah, it. That was history change there. Right. And then the next year, what happened? Oh, they became a state. And then the next year, there was an election. Yes. Yes. And remember, I was talking about all of the immigrants, the aliens that were all of a sudden able to vote the previous year? Before they were a state? Because they were Uh, able to, 1952, they were like, yes, you can become naturalized. um, naturalized citizens. And, you know, just like the territories, they're actually still considered U.S. citizens if you're a territory member. So we need to look up who Mr. Walter and Mr. McCarran are. It's the Walter McCarran Act. Right. So 35,000 aliens. Mm -hmm. They wanted those votes because what happened in 1960? 35,000 people got Mm -hmm. in. And so you would think they would be like, yay, excited for whoever allowed them to come in and be, uh, uh, you know, a citizen, right? Right. Or of this non-existent state yet. And so who was the president at that time? In... 1952. That's a good question. That's a good question. It was before Eisenhower. Right. Right? Was it, it wasn't still Cleveland, was it? Oh, maybe, yeah, because Grover's one who said no all right. the time, right? Right. But, so, hmm, go ahead. So in 1960, there was an election. A court-ordered recount overturned an initial result favoring Vice President Richard Nixon a Republican, handing a win to Senator John F. Kennedy, a Democrat, by a narrow margin of 115 votes. Okay, so folks, this was the big thunder that I stole earlier, because <laughs> I originally had mentioned this, yes, but Andy had put this article together, and it was at the end here, that we wanted to make it clear to you, this was the moment here. Did you hear that? 1960. The most popular Democratic president in the history of the world before the great Joe Biden uh, <laughs> was John F. Kennedy, Please, right? Please, you're killing me. I okay. know. I'm, lest I just. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Dude, I'm joking, okay? But no, who was the most popular, the most popular Democratic president of our time? John F. Kennedy. Right. And so, of course, he won overwhelmingly over the eventual crook. I'm not a crook, right? Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Of course, he he won big, right? You're telling me that after a recount, and this is what it, this is so fun. I love this. Did you find the newspaper clipping? I didn't find the oh, newspaper clipping. Oh, we got to find that. Yeah. We got to get our research team on that. Uh, this is what's fun about this. The morning after the election, 1960, Richard Nixon versus John F. Kennedy, the great John F. Kennedy, who was elected president. The headline read, Nixon wins. It did. In the newspaper. And then... Because the night before, all the votes were for the Republican. And then 
they said, hold on a minute, let's do some vote harvesting on the in south what? side of Chicago and down in Texas in a particular county that eventually became called Johnson County. In one county. In one county and in this wonderful state it that isn't a state, state yet but just became a state. This yes. brand new state. And because of a recount and the flip of that electoral vote, the difference of 115 votes made the difference and put our great JFK barely beating Nixon by 0.06%. Now, if you read, yeah, I know some of you have, yeah. Okay, so did I lose anybody yet? <laughs> because some of you have read stories, you have read the mainstream media, you've read the republished stories from JFK Library and other places that says that he won by a landslide 309 to 236 or something like that on the on the uh, electoral scale. Mm -hmm. But in and they also said that he won easily and this kind of stuff. But you know, in real in real politics, if you look at the actual vote count the difference of the 115 votes, flipped that recount, gave Hawaii to JFK, mm -hmm. and Nixon was out until 68. Right. Which along then he with, went overwhelming. <laughs> along with the ballot harvesting in uh, one county mm -hmm. caused all of the electoral votes in Texas mm -hmm. to yeah. go to JFK. Yeah, there's a lot and, of fishy stuff going on. And that was Johnson. And Johnson then County. Mm -hmm. the the Chicago one, South Chicago, yeah, mm -hmm. South was side more for the, for the very first time ballot harvesting mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. and that was JFK's father had a big pull in that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So I just had one more thing on the history I wanted to point out. A lot in, of ugly stuff here. Oof. In November of tw November twenty third of ninety three, ooh, there was an apology for the overthrow of the Hawaiian Kingdom. 93, that would have been Clinton? Um, it was given by Francis Boyle, an international law professor. <laughs> he said, after 100 years, the United States government has a finally and officially conceded that Native Hawaiian people have the right to restore the independent nation state that you had in 1893 when the U.S. came and destroyed it. Destroyed it, destroyed it, destroyed it, destroyed it. The Native Hawaiian people have the right now to go out, proclaim the restoration of that state. Wow. So, is this the same scenario as our uh, Natives in, in the 48 states that have their own nation Well, there's only one that has their own. Yeah, the Lakota people are the only one with a seat on the U.N., they're mm -hmm. the only ones that are considered a nation. Uh, they all call themselves a nation, but the only, I understand the way I understand it, that's the only one that has a seat. Hmm. But who cares about a seat on the UN? Yeah, right? right. But the native Hawaiians were forced into the Western way of life, and their land has been systematically taken bit by bit. And if they can't get away with it any other way, they just burn the whole thing down after they suspended all of the historic laws and the people wouldn't sell they decided to just burn it down clown mm -hmm. so <clears throat> we really want to show you something though we've been talking about this stuff but we must show you these most powerful images 
We're going to look at melted glass and metal. Let's take a look at that real quick here and see if that's the video we want to show you. And then we may go through the village from this guy that lived in the village and, and his house was left standing while everyone else's was burnt down. And he was able to go in and videotape. So, and then we might take a look at some school buses to round this out. Let's take a look at this here. Okay guys, this episode is going to be about things that melted, melted glass, melted metal that show just how intense this fire was. And I have a lot of footage of this. Really it shows better on the ground. Drone footage doesn't show this very well. But what I saw on the ground was a lot of inconsistency from one car, from one neighborhood to the next. Uh, it was definitely a very intense fire. I've seen a lot of people commenting that when tires catch fire, it melts the aluminum wheel that's normal but I'm not sure if I buy that because the tire has gone in every case but sometimes there's a lot of the wheel left and sometimes there's no wheel at all and it's just run into the gutter like water so I don't really understand the inconsistencies here I don't pretend to be a fire forensic investigator so anybody who has an explanation for this I would I would love to hear it but what I saw was significant differences from one neighborhood to the next from one car to the next and but in almost every case some of the aluminum had melted a lot of cases the entire engine block had melted and it was just sitting as a puddle under the car the windshields had melted a lot of times the car glass was at the, the glass from the windows was actually melted down into the street into the gutter as well so definitely a lot of intensity. Uh, this is in Front Street here that I'm showing. And Front Street, there's by far the most clips of Front Street because it's famous and a lot of people came down here. But it's not even close to the most intense place that I saw as far as heat and, uh, and, and, and melting stuff goes. I mean, when you look at the, the wheels on Front Street, a lot of them are, are intact. But there's places in neighborhoods where there is no wheel at all. I mean, it's melted down to the brake calipers uh, there and, and the studs. And you can just, like you can see here, I mean, that, that wheel just melted away and ran into the street like water. So this is something that really struck me when I was walking around initially. I also want to mention that I'm working on another episode right now that will explain exactly why this footage that I have and that has been uploaded to the mainland is so unique and can't be reproduced because it's a pretty interesting story to tell. You can see there, there's just aluminum running down this driveway. I mean, how hot did that have to get to do that? And there's a couple of other sections here where you'll be able to see this too. Now, I also want to mention, the, I want to acknowledge the fact that I said I wouldn't make any more of these episodes for a while. I'm making this one for a specific reason. Citizens of the world, we are anonymous. The corporate media has yet to explain their true origin of the fast-spreading blazes, though Bishop Gators methodically lays it all out very clearly. With likely hundreds dead, since this last weekend, the Maui Inferno has been designated as the deadliest fire in modern American history. Except Mick Fleetwood, no other celebs are known to have lost homes or property. Oprah Winfrey owns 2,000 acres on three separate properties in Maui, her untouched estate in Cooler coming closest to the flames. As a bona fide globalist for years, Oprah has a bunch of close friends who are sexual predators, producer Harvey Weinstein, convicted child rapist, Brazilian spiritual healer John of God, accused pedophiles Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg to name but a few. 
Her South African school for girls was marred by a pedophilia scandal and Winfrey is also listed on a Jeffrey Epstein Lolita Express flight log and alleged visitor to his orgy island in the Caribbean. That's way too many pedo associations for one big icon like Oprah to easily explain away. The next logical question as a globalist insider. Did she know of the Cabal's arson fire to destroy La Haina, beforehand? Peter Thiel is another billionaire known to have met repeatedly with Jeffrey Epstein since 2014, a half dozen years after Epstein's pedo conviction and half decade before his alleged death in 2019. While owning Maui property, as co-founder of PayPal, Thiel is also known for his transfusions with young blood extracted from children, espousing the scientifically proven health benefits. Peter Thiel is also founder of Palanta, the high-tech database software firm frequently contracted with Department of Defense and Intelligence Services and given the task of tracking a large child database for the U.S. Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which has been an abysmal failure at lowering the rate of child sex trafficking since it's soared to five times higher than when Palantas database went into effect. Another CIA-spawned silicon product, part-time Hawaiian resident and island donor, Oracle technology mogul Larry Ellison was adopted at age one, but likely the biological son of polygamist pedophile religious cult leader Reverend Dr. Hugh Robert Sinclair Moore, 1873-1944. Turns out Ellison's just another Silicon Valley installed cardboard cutout, like Meta slash Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, who owns 1,500 acres on nearby Kauai Island, Google's Eric Schmidt, Palanta's fellow island dweller Peter Thiel, LinkedIn's Reid Hoffman, another Epstein Island guest, and Twitter's Jack Dorsey, all cutouts from MI6, MI5, FBI, CIA spooks and British Pilgrims Society. No surprise to find Larry Maui County resident as 98% owner of nearby Lanai Island where in 1994 Epstein buddy, Bill Gates married wife Melinda. Is it just coincidence that Larry Ellison named Jeffrey Epstein in 2008 as Oracle's chief financial officer? Even if it's not the same Epstein who was busy in 2008 copying a plea to his sweetheart deal as a convicted registered child sex offender. From the entertainment field, still other famous Maui residents and alleged Lolita Express flyers are Jim Carrey and bad boy rocker Steven Tyler, who owns a beachfront estate in Maui's most exclusive luxury resort town of Whaley. In December last year, Tyler was sued for sexual battery and sexual assault by an underage 16-year-old girl at the time, now 65-year-old Julia Mosley of Texas. Another 16-year-old groupie Julia Holcomb also had a two-year affair that was terminated as soon as she reached 18. Jimmy Buffet is another Epstein acquaintance who's listed in the Pido's infamous Black Book. MK Ultra pedophilia survivor activist Kathy O'Brien also implicates Buffet as part of the Caribbean branch of the CIA drug ops. You see an obvious pattern here? Many of these Maui high rollers are linked to sex scandals involving underage children, if not directly tied to America's most notorious pedophile, himself.
these extremely wealthy, powerful globalist movers and shakers may well have opportunity to scoop up more paradise land for themselves when rebuilding of Lahaina and other burnt out areas on the island are up for sale at rock bottom cost. Apparently, the planned secret US military base that Bishop Gators disclosed in his video will be located on the same burnt grounds where the quaint town once stood. It's also worth pointing out that the US Space Force also maintains a presence on Maui. The 15th Space Surveillance Squadron operates the Maui Space Surveillance Complex, a strategically located national asset at the 10,023-foot summit of Hale Kala on the island. No doubt it is minimally complicit in hiding evidence that a US military-controlled directed energy weapon was responsible for igniting the fires. Throughout this horrific crisis, Space Force has chosen to maintain a very low profile because the Department of Defense is a willing participant in this deliberate human and environmental disaster against its own American citizens. Overwhelming evidence confirms that sinister man-made forces are directly responsible for accelerated terraforming of our sacred, scorched earth, and they are the same malevolent forces backing both sides to every war they create, every concocted pandemic bio-e-app and kill shot they jab and the globalists booming child sex trafficking money laundering trillions for organized crime industry they profit from and control. They've used their wealth and power to own and operate virtually all major governments, Fortune 500, corporations, US slash NATO slash UN militaries, their mass media propaganda machine, top universities, research centers, public education system, criminal justice system, major law enforcement agencies, including all globalist governing bodies, like the UN, WHO, EU. They finance and launder their global black operations with impunity through sheltered offshore LLC accounts for Pandora and Panama Papers, evidence. This is how they've secretly managed to get away with all their ungodly sins against humanity and children for centuries. Bribery and blackmail are their modus operandi for how the cabal does business controlling all the puppet gatekeepers entrenched in all the captured deep state institutions. A most unholy ideological marriage exists between fifth-generational fourth-right Nazis, Zionist Khazarian Mafia and Illuminati Satanists, practicing blood sacrifice occult secret society death cult rituals, summoning interdimensional demonic forces. Another interdimensional portal is the Swiss Large Hadron Collider CERN whose scientists were exposed in satanic ritual during the 2016 opening of the world's longest tunnel Gothard Base Tunnel. Humanity presently finds itself fighting, for our very species' survival in this epic war between good and evil, with genocidal depopulation now our common enemy's foremost killer agenda. What happened this last week in Maui can be replicated by the hidden in plain sight technologies that manipulate weather events as part of the globalist ongoing depopulation agenda through weather warfare. We are anonymous. We are legion. We are awareness. We are truth. Expect us. And thank you for listening to The Ugly Truth, because they can't stop us. Cause we're ready to fight. Try to brainwash us. But we won't let freedom die. The whole world's brainwashed. Everybody pick a team, start a riot in the streets. The whole world's brainwashed. It's us against.
The Ugly Truth. Hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore.